Jacob Chastain, I have a question for you. And that is one that involves the classroom and it involves learning, which I know you're surprised since that's all I ever think about. What I'm wondering is, you know, back when in the 90s, uh, which was before your time, I get that, but Howard Gardner talked about all the different ways that people learn and that we have to use all those modalities. How do you ensure, or do you think it's important to ensure all the different modes of learning in your classroom? Are you just sticking to reading and writing? Like, how do you incorporate all the things that they suggest? You know, this comes right after somebody who will not be named in our campus said that I teach in a way that appeals to 5% of our students. <laughs> that wasn't me. <laughs> it was not you. And I, to be fair, it was said in a joking manner, I think. But um, you hope. <laughs> I hope. I mean, it was partly because, you know, there, there, this something happens, okay? And when I'm around people who are comfortable with me, I've known them for a while, we joke back and forth, it You've seen this happen in real time, perhaps last week, where a lot of people will just turn their their shots, their, uh, you know, one-liners, their slight insults to me, and it, it just happens, right? And I just, I just take it like a man, and I sit there, and I, I take all of the abuse that I get from a variety of people, and it's, 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 it's been, it's my whole life, and it's partly because I, uh, I, I do have an air of, you know, I, I think, but I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn here, but some people believe I'm a cocky person. And for better or for worse, that is the identity that I assume, especially if I'm just being like uh, facetious or, you know, I'm just being annoying or if I've had too much caffeine that day, I will take on that persona because that's what people think of me. So sometimes I'll just embody it just for funsies. And that re- that requires this, this rubber effect where it all comes back to me when certain people are in a certain room and they're just like, all right, Chastain, here's what you need to know today. But anyway, that, that was a really long detour. But so I was talking about how uh, some... There was a student in my room who said, Chastain, people either love you or hate you. And I go, what? I was like, who hates me? And so she went through this conversation where she told me that, you know, this student did like me or whatever, and that's fine. But they were uh, – and I had talked about how I get how a student may not enjoy my class fully uh, if they really love to be in their shell, if they don't like people to be really obnoxious, to move around. My classroom, unless kids are reading or there's a lesson going on, and even then really not. Well, reading, yes, but if they're lesson and writing, like my classroom, there's always movement. There's always noise. I'm, I'm In writing especially, you know, I'm playing modern music where it's, it's a very loose environment. And I can see how such an environment could not always be the favorite place of certain students. Likewise of how uh, a really quiet classroom and a really super controlled classroom can really be bad for students who need to move and to talk and to engage in a certain way, right? I'm not bashing me or anyone else. It's just certain students are attracted to certain classroom environments to do better. Now with the, in terms of kids learning differently, Honestly, I feel like 
I take a lot of that into account, um, especially after my Kagan training that I had in praise all the time, because it has a lot to do with, you know, sometimes, you know, I know I'm a writing teacher, but believe it or not, Miss Ochoa, writing is not always the best way for a student to demonstrate mastery or to demonstrate learning. Sometimes they need to speak. Sometimes they need to draw. Sometimes they need to sing, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. And that goes for all of these things. And I think that while I might not be 100% successful in bringing content to kids in a variety of ways, well, I don't know. I, I guess. Well, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm I'm the greatest at it, but we do. We watch uh, slam poems a lot. We read poems. I read out loud. They read out loud. We read silently. Um, they do uh, some partner read. They do small group. We do discussions. They write. They annotate. They do all of these different ways of interacting with content. Um, so I do have that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I try to basically the way I think about it is I want students to have a bunch of ways of interacting with the standards is usually how I think about it. And then I, over the course of a week or a unit, I try to find a a bunch of different ways for them to do that. So for reading fiction, maybe I want to read a story out loud. Maybe we'll listen to an audio book. Maybe uh, they will read silently and maybe they'll read together. And so all of those combined with different ways to interact and show that they're thinking about it. Uh, I, I feel like I do uh, think about all of these in a different way. I think where we get stuck a lot of the times is we start rushing or being really direct when we're on a deadline. If there's a test coming up that's uh, where we have a shorter unit than normal, we start rushing or condensing our lessons too much to where there's a lot of direct teaching and kids just kind of working, direct teach, kids works, direct teach, kids works. Um, and I definitely fall into those traps sometimes, but I would say yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, with that, let's open up to uh and welcome everybody to craft and draft and i'll let you take it from there jacob you're always good at getting us started oh my goodness well first of all welcome everyone this is craft and draft the podcast where we talk about reading and writing workshop sometimes we go 30 minutes sometimes we go an hour and 10 minutes you just never know what you're gonna get and honestly we never know what we're gonna get we have a topic and we come here to discuss all the wonderful things uh about reading and writing workshop which is what we love which is if you've ever read our little uh post that miss ochoa writes all the time uh you know that we love it because it says it in the intro every single post that's why we put it there it's wonderful but today you guys, if you listened to last week's episode, which my, in my opinion, I think it's one of our best episodes. I, I have fond memories about that episode. I know it was only a week ago, but I, I, I've thought about it a lot. I think the conversation was good. I thought some of the anecdotes were good, but I just think that idea of the, the culture of freedom, I think it's so powerful. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go check it out. But towards the end, Miss Ocho and I started talking about kids writing about hard topics, right? Difficult topics when they when they address the the darker parts of 
the human psyche, so to speak, or the darker parts of their experiences. And we were like, let's, let's talk about that. So that's what we're doing uh, on this episode. We, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, how to, how to handle those, how to address it, what do we do, uh, and everything in between. So we're going to be diving into all of that. But before we do so, we have to thank our Patreon supporters slash Craft and Draft producers of the podcast. We are up to five so far. Can you believe that? Miss Ochoa, we that, are, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead. We're, no, you're good. We were we're up to five supporters. It was wonderful. Which those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, we we set a goal. If we can get ten Patreon supporters over there of the podcast, we're going to start releasing regular PD videos. We have our craft and draft video, which is about you know like an hour and forty minutes of us just going through, showing examples, doing all of that stuff, showing how we set up the journals, showing real examples, showing what lessons look like, and everything in between. Um, that video is doing well for the people that want that, but we're also releasing an extra podcast every single month, which uh, people are over there doing that as well. And so uh, the Patreon is definitely where we're going. Our goal is 10. We're at five right now, which was honestly happened faster than we thought it would. We weren't really 100% sure how many people would jump in. So um, before I thank them, I want to tell everyone else that go join. Once we hit 10, we'll do regular videos, maybe do some live streams for you guys that are exclusive to Patreon. And we, I don't know, we have a bunch of ideas. So we just go over there, support us, and we will keep things rolling and do some premium PD content content. They just can't get uh, anywhere else. As long as keeping this podcast free, the people that are supporting us over there really do help this podcast stay afloat and keep us going, keep all the lights on. But our Patreon producers, this episode are Amy, Mark, Leah, Brandy, and Alicia, which are absolutely amazing. I know all all five of them we're jumping in. We got five more to go, but thank them specifically for keeping this podcast going. We really do, uh, support um or we want to support you guys as much as possible so go over there join uh our supporters over there so we can have some great conversations and and do some amazing things we got some wonderful stuff planned but ladies and gentlemen let's jump to the episode all righty miss ochoa uh here's the thing believe it or not students sometimes write about things that are unsavory (laughs) like believe it or not, they have lives, and sometimes those lives lend themselves to controversial uh, experiences, ideas, beliefs, mm-hmm. and maybe not even controversial. Maybe just the stuff that uh, needs to be spoken about and written about because it's a part of their lives, but isn't the, you know, who's your hero? Isn't what's your best memory of your entire life? Isn't... Um, why is courage a good idea, right? Isn't these typical prompts that we throw at students, but it's really their lived experiences and they need to address them. So to start us off, Miss Ochoa, I mean, what would you say in a, in a given year, right? And you can kind of average this out over your time, but in a given year, how, how many students start using the workshop to work through some of their um, trauma, some of their... Uh, life experiences that that might be difficult for them. What would be the percentage of kids that really start using the workshop to to not only write about these things but work through them and express themselves? Well, that's a good question, and I'm not sure what a good answer is to be honest. But I do know that every year there at least seems to be one to about five for sure that 
kind of go kind of use it as a catharsis, if you will, um, a way of expressing or calling for help. I've had a few call for help that I've had to actually uh, turn in to counselors and things like that. So sometimes I get a call for help. Um, and uh, that's happened a few times. And so um, I don't know, but I do think that because of the workshop environment, I think we have more than I would have if I didn't do the workshop environment, if I gave them just the prompt and they had to write about this specific prompt, no matter what, and there were no choices, then, and no freedom for them to think on their own, then I don't think it would open up to that. I think also too, that the way that we do the the draft book allows for students to kind of vent or experience or to work out some of their issues. And I think sometimes, um, you know, we, I mean, there's several, even like in your, our poetry club, there's been a few that have uh, had some issues like that, that one young man that had gone home for Thanksgiving and it just didn't turn out the way he wanted. And so he used our club to, um, to write about it and to express what was happening on the inside. Um, so I think students a lot of times have, over the years, have have written freely in my classes. Uh, given it a percentage, I'm not really sure. I, I, I'd like to say 100%, but that's not even close. So I would say it's more on the 25% to about 10% throughout the years, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that... <sighs> It, it it comes up eventually. Um, and, you know, it reminds me, anytime I talk about this topic, it reminds me of a lot of things. Uh, but I had a teacher who is no longer in our department, um, but she was kind of new to English, and I had encouraged her to allow, you know, freedom of choice and topic, genre, all of that stuff. Um, she wasn't too open with the whole workshop format, but she was, you know, she started leaning, you know, you know, let's let them choose their stuff. And I remember having this conversation. She was like, yeah, you know, and she had a student who was writing about, I mean, this girl had, I mean, literally like, I mean, just a horrible family, right? I mean, they, so many things had happened in her past. So many things were still happening. And, uh, she was talking with me, not the student, but the teacher was, and she goes, she goes, Chastain, I just, I, I, I just sat with her and I was like, do you, she, she was like, do I, do you have to always write about the darkest things? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> no, don't react that way. I was like, the writing is for expression. It's self-expression. You know, it's the, the, the problem with writing in schools. If I had to pinpoint one thing that I feel like is the one thing we should be fighting against, um, and kind of my platform as someone who wants to talk about writing is writing is, is a vehicle of expression of, of idea generating, of exploration, of self discovery. And the problem with school writing is that it's almost never that it's always response. It's always, uh, address this prompt. It's always after reading this, tell me what you think. And it's rarely creation for creation's sake. And it's rarely, uh, expression for expression's sake, but those are the core ways that writing exists. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, I, I think about that teacher and 
while I think our audience, for especially the people that listen to us regularly, um, understand this concept, I think it's it's vastly important that you know if well, not even if, but when students start doing this, when they start writing about the the more unsavory aspects of whatever it is that, that their lives, um, that we honor that that's their that's their experience, right? That's it's mm-hmm. their lives. It's, it's, it's who they are. And, you know, the, the one thing that I've learned both by being a kid in this situation and working with a lot of kids in these situations is kids feel shame in their pain. They feel shame in their trauma. The, the I think the worst thing that happens to kids is, you know, even if what they're going through isn't the worst thing in the world, Right. It's it's still how they're responding to it, it's how they're reacting to it, and I think some of the worst dis- like ways adults can react is just chalking it up to like you know teenage angst, right? It, you're just it's just angst, right? You're you're oh you're you know I'm sure your dad's fine, you'll get over it, you know we've all been through something like that, but it's 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 not about that. It might be they might be overly blowing something out, right? It might be something small, right? They might be sneaking out of their house, doing all of these things that are causing some of these reactions by parents or whoever they're living with, and that's what they're writing about, and they're like, I'm so controlled or whatever. And we might see that as an adult and understand that, you know, the, the kid is really just kind of going through some stuff. But I feel like the the workshop, and this connects to our conversation last week, is the 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 promise of workshop is the freedom to, you know, if this you have the right to your feelings. You have the right to feel however you feel today. And if that's anger, if that's resentment, if that's sadness, if that's depression, if that's anxiety, you, you are entitled to all of those things. And I feel like us as workshop teachers are in such a unique position to not only honor those things, but to actually use content to let kids work through that. I mean, Kids, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Miss Ochoa, but the kids that we struggle with the most behaviorally, um, whether that's in our classroom or, you know, sometimes the behaviors that they exhibit are like that with other students, right? It might not even be with us. It's the fact that they, you know, they're they're always fighting with some other kid or they're arguing with they they can't control their anger. They go from zero to one hundred really fast. So those kids who are quote unquote behavior uh, challenges in our classroom. Correct me if I'm wrong, it, a lot of it comes down to they have no processing ability. Um, or if they do, it's very low. And I mean processing verbally, I mean processing and writing to pause and think before they react. Um, and part of what we do in workshop is build in the capacity to not only think, write, express, but to really pause and be like, what do I really want to say here? What do I need to do? How do I react? I feel like that's so essential to what we do. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I, several times you talked about the, the student that doesn't know how to behave, if you will, in a classroom or doesn't behave well or whatever. There's been several that, well, even this year, uh, I've had a few that I'd say, well, let's think about that. What's the main problem? And then I'd say, well, why don't you write about it? And I give them that time and then they start writing. But next thing you know, or I might give them a sentence starter to kind of help them. Like, what would I have done differently? Or um, now, 
and then you <laughs> just even that and dot 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 and then they can they fill in um or when i mean you can even just put one words in there but uh i, I there's one that comes to mind where we kind of did something like that cuz the the student was really bothered and I think had been in trouble in other classes and was not doing very well in mine, uh, wanted to just disrupt everybody. And I just said, hey, look, start like this. I know you're upset. Let's just write about it. And next thing you know, he was quiet for at least 20 minutes and he filled up two full pages. And he's never been the same. He has never been the same. He will stop. And I mean, every once in a while, he gets all tethered up. Don't get me wrong and gets all upset. But he, I can usually say, you remember, you've already written, you, you know, you can write. So let's, let's use this time for that. Another thing that I like to do is start them with memoir, start them with their own stories and their own experiences and uh, create uh, pre-writing type uh, activities at the beginning when they're not sure about writing uh, create those uh, beginnings where they can write about their memories and write about them, their ideas. And when it comes to sharing, uh, even this year it happened, and I think I shared this on probably a few podcasts by now, but this brings it back up. And that is, it never fails. Even when it, with adults, that first time that we get in there and start sharing our, our writing, our personal writing, it's so personal to us that I always have to have tissues in the room because somebody will cry. And I think last year, um, before I came to your school, there was a, a young man that was like, started writing about his dog and then his dog had died. And the, these boys came up to me and I've already said this. So those of you who've heard me through this whole thing know that he came up and said, Miss, you know, such a, so-and-so's crying. We need some tissues. And I'm like, every time, I mean, every time, because Writing is so personal, and the thing about writing is it does bring out our hearts and put it on the page. And then with you in your classes, y'all, you probably write way more poetry than I do uh, as far as have the students. You sponsor that, I think, better in your classroom than I probably do as far as just writing throughout the year. Um, I have moments where we write really good poetry, but you know what I'm saying. It's just you, you did a lot. And so... With that said, I think in your classroom, uh, just when I've been in there, some of the students write about some very heavy thoughts and ideas because the because first of all, they know you're going to accept their ideas. They also know that you've been probably in their shoes. And I think when they realize that we identify them in some way, that they're even going to be more apt to use this time uh, for that. But I think as teachers, what we do need to do is we need to read the writing. Um, I know that when I was younger, uh, there was this trend, and people still do it, where they go, you can mark the pages you don't want me to read. I think that's fine for a diary, but I'm not, I, I don't know if that's really always appropriate for for school. Um, but that's my personal opinion. I know some people do that, and they feel like the kids will write more. But I think, uh, I can tell you, I think I've actually been responsible for getting students help more by going ahead and letting them know, I, I, if you put it in this draft book, I will be reading it. You need to know that. And I think, but I don't judge, I don't, I'm not judgy about it. Does it make sense? And so I think because of that, they're more apt. And of course, the way that we 
we start and I create this environment, nothing negative is ever allowed. Um, that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It just means I foster that. And then over time, trust is built. And the more trust, the more they're apt to, to write about that. But I really have had to uh, stop and talk with students. Why, you know, is this something I need to address? I mean, are you okay? You need to know that I'm going to tell the counselor. Are you okay with that? And a lot of times they'll say, I think I need you to talk to the counselor. And I think uh, we, I think we've had a few, um, you know, people who are still here today because of that. And I think that's a, that's a big responsibility if we're going to allow this type of writing in our classroom. Well, and it goes without saying, but it should be said for newer teachers, which is <clears throat> that it, it doesn't matter. Our jobs are, you know, I feel like if it, it, so when we're creating a, an atmosphere of freedom and, and kids have choice that we, uh, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, I, I like, for instance, I've had students who will, they'll, they'll straight up tell me like, well, I can't like, we'll talk about something they're going through cause they're having a bad day. I'm like, you know, I don't really, I don't know what you're going through, you know, but you, you should write about it. And they'll say, like, no, I can't write about it. Y'all, y'all will get scared or, you know, you'll report CPS. Mm-hmm. Like I've had students straight up say that. Right. Um, and here's, here's the thing for a teacher. Um, if you're anything like me listeners, uh, you know, I, I like to be liked, you know, we started the podcast with that, right? I like to be, I like to be that teacher, right? I really, I feed off of it. You know, if, if I open my doors and I don't have 30 kids surrounding me wanting to all talk to me at once, I'm unhappy. Right. So (laughs) like I have for for the record, he does have that every day and the rest of us are going, Oh yeah. That's why you get comments like that because people don't understand it. I know. But he and does have about 30 every day. I mean, he's got to tell him, you're you got another class. You got another class. What are you doing right now? Oh, history. Go to history. Go to history. I've been in there and I've seen it, guys. Yeah. There was one the All other right. day. Like they I just won't leave. And it's I mean, they just hang out and whatever. It's because they want that that but it's because I spend so much time fostering those relationships and right. uh and, and that communication pathway. And I love talking to them so much, but you know, kids are kids. They they're like, Oh, I can just hang out here forever. Like, no, go to class. <laughs> go away. But I do, you know, I do have that time period where, you know, it's like whatever, like especially like I was sick for two days this last week and I the first time they all saw me, it was just every one of them were around <laughs> me and I was like that's what i'm talking about that's what we want but y'all gotta go away it's the but that's because i am like that um it's easy and it not anymore i'm gonna tell you why but when i was younger it was really difficult for me to um to to report things that i thought were bad you know what i mean because it was like i'm breaking trust if i go somewhere right and this i'm talking like when i when i was a beginning teacher and everything else but then as i developed as a professional and as a thinker and just got older i realized that the you know kids are in our care obviously and we have a legal obligation to take care of them but the the number one thing that you can do for somebody that you care about is get them the help that they need that that is the, that is the number one way you show care and love for someone is not letting them suffer alone, right? Not letting them uh, suffer without help. And sometimes that help is, you know, this goes to like discipline, right? Like sometimes helping someone is disciplining them. Sometimes helping someone is giving them a consequence for their behavior. Because if you go your whole life never having a real consequence for doing something bad or wrong or immoral. 
it's only a matter of time before you end up somewhere where you don't want to be, whether that's prison, jail, death, you know, uh, rehab, you know, there's all kinds of things of people that never had to deal with a real consequence in their entire life. Um, there's also, uh, and, and writing, you know, my whole goal is to get them to, to express themselves, to really do this. And I, I just, uh, you know, several years ago decided that, you know, if, if kids are, showing signs of that, you know, that there really is something deeply wrong that, you know, reporting, which is our legal obligation anyway, but doing that shows that we care. And, you know, I had a student, um, two years ago who was writing, you know, she was writing a lot of really sad and depressing stuff. And, you know, I, I feel for that stuff and, you know, there's a creative momentum with some of that, you know, especially, uh, you know, I always say, you know, there's a reason the term bleed on the page exists, right? Pain Mm -hmm. is pain makes good writing, whether we like it or not, you know, pain is, uh, what keeps, people entertained in fiction, right? No one like, this is why we talk about conflict. Conflict is pain, right? Getting some, not getting what you want. And which, which I think is why we have protagonist. Exactly. Because <laughs> they're going through agony. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. Right. I mean, it's built yeah. into the, it's literally built into the foundation of humanity. Right. And so as a, person who wants to get kids writing, but writing on a way that is, is useful and beneficial to them, uh, that requires going to some of those areas. And, um, well, I had a student who was writing a lot of dark stuff and then we did a research project and they started researching, you know, about suicide stuff. And, you know, anytime suicide comes up in a classroom, you obviously want to start paying attention. And then they had a friend luckily that had, I, I took the friend aside and I was like, Hey, is this, are you concerned? And they said, yeah. And, you know, we stepped in, but the, the, when we stepped in, you know, we have a fantastic crisis counselor on our campus who is wonderful in a million different ways. Um, Mm -hmm. but we literally, you know, stepped in at a time when it was crucial, right? It, the, that, that student might not be here today if that workshop didn't exist, if that comfort didn't exist, and if I didn't say something. And those events happen. They don't happen a lot. I, it's happened realistically. I mean, I've been a workshop teacher maybe five years-ish, right? Um, I mean, it's probably happened three times, maybe twice, um, that, that were serious, like really serious, and uh, which isn't doesn't sound like a lot, but even one right? I mean, it's the, it's, it's the weight of it, which is the problem. But here's the thing. My argument, like a lot of people might hear that and go, okay, never mind. Don't want to do this workshop out. We're going worksheets. We're going (laughs) no red ink. You know, we're doing all this, right? They might want to step away from that, but here's the deal. And here's how I see it is yes. Workshop real open workshop can reveal a lot of dark things. It can, um, open wounds. It can do all of these things, but imagine if that student didn't have that outlet. Imagine if that student suffered alone all this time, imagine what would have happened. It's uh, the, what, when, when people really do do something like self-harm or commit suicide or something like that, it really does occur uh, often because people just don't detect it. They don't take it seriously. I've, uh, this goes with drug abuse too, right? I've lived with addicts mm-hmm. my entire life. You know how addicts become addicts? Not a single person that cares about them stops them. Not a single one. That's what happens. No one steps in and says, dude, you're done. 
you're over. Like this is, you're finished. You're going to rehab, you know, you're doing this, you're doing this. Um, and before you know it, it's too late. And that is, that is why, yes, this can lead to these areas, but the, the cost is greater if we don't allow our classrooms to be places of self-discovery, exploration, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I have to say I agree. I've had over the years, I have lost uh, quite a few students over the years because I've been in for a long time. And, uh, but some of those, they, they didn't, I mean, we didn't detect it like you said, but the ones that we have detected, I can't tell you, I've had them as adults come back to me and say, Hey, I made it. Thank you. I mean, I've had, um, quite a few over the years have done that. And maybe it's not because of suicide. It could be, or they're thinking that deeply, but it could be that, that self-discovery has allowed them to figure out what they really want. I've had a few go, I now know I mean, I want to write, I want to read. I now know because of that research project that we did, I now know what I want to do. I want to be a doctor. I want to be uh, something. So sometimes they they do this self-discovery in a more positive light. It doesn't always have to be a, a negative situation, uh, but these kids are going through life and life is just hard. That's just all there is to it. But when, and and I'm not afraid to share anything about my situation that's classroom appropriate, but I do have students ask quite often and, uh, you know, about my own situation. And have you ever, like I told you last week, that one, one student said, have you ever had your heart broken? Well, of course I, I talked to that. Well, then, you know, they're going to go talk. So then they're like, Miss Ochoa, she said that you had your heart broken. Are you okay? Well, yeah, I'm okay. That was 30 years ago, you know, that kind of thing. But <laughs> I do know how it feels and, uh, you know, that is life and look, look at me now. So, so sometimes I give them the, what are we going to do the next day? You know, like it's not, it's not that we fall down. It's that we get up. It's what are you going to do? you might be in a dark spot now, but how do you help yourself get out of that dark spot? Most of the time it's trying to figure out what you can do for somebody else. And so we might work on that, you know, how, and we look at characters who help other characters and things like that. And then you can use your literature that way as well. Is there a place where, where the supporting actor helped the, the, the protagonist, right? The, uh, so is there something there? You know, so you can you can take this and show the students how to work through it. But I think writing is a great way for them to do that, to work through problems, to make decisions, to find success. Um, and every little bit of success that we can have in our classroom will breed more success for them later. Uh, but you're right. We can't be afraid to, you know, to, like I'm going to break their trust, like you said. I think I was probably that way first, too. But I have just learned over the years that I just tell, tell them up front, you need to know that I care about you. And because I do, this is how this will work. And uh, and I think, I've, you know, there may be some people that haven't written things. But most of the time, if they're writing after I've said that, they're really crying for help. And uh, so, but anyway, yeah, I think um, I just love, I love reading their writing and I love uh, watching them grow. And I think they enjoy that too, because we also use their writing to reflect. And I think you do that too. You have a reflection piece at the end of each one of their 
uh, published pieces and they reflect on that. So uh, you could reflect on, you know, what did you learn about yourself? You could have them do that as well. Well, and I just, you know, I've seen so many students grow from this process, right? And we, we honor a lot of this, you know, and they, for people that have followed my stuff for a while, you know, I have a wall of writing where, you know, it just grows and grows. And as students see what other students are writing and how they're addressing certain topics, you know, every six weeks, right, which is our grading period, I post new ones. And I used to put a limit of 10, but now kids just write so much. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> like they're, I know your print. wall is full. Yeah, it's full. Like it's, it's, it's overflowing. <laughs> it's doing all this. But what kids do though, is they walk up there and they're like, Oh my God, you know, they, they said something that, you know, they get inspired by it. They go and I go mm-hmm. at the end when we go into writing, I'm like, and if y'all didn't notice, we added stuff to the wall, go check it out. And kids just spend time, you know, reading pieces and going through it and stuff like that. And it requ- you know, it creates this, uh, you know, this community thing, you know, it's what we want with books, right? It's, it's literally the same thing, just in a different context where what, books do best is allow us to experience human emotion and human complexity and problems in a, in a safe way. Right. And, you know, some books are written, you know, like popcorn movies, right? They're just, they're pure escapism designed to distract you. And those are great, right? (laughs) Those are always on the best side of the list for a reason. People, people (laughs) love that stuff, but then there's books that are different than that. You know, John Green writes a lot of that stuff. uh, Jason Reynolds writes a lot of that stuff, you know, in adult fiction, um, the, like my, the book that hits me the hardest is, uh, What's it called? Oh, Every Man Dies Alone, which is a Holocaust book about these these rebels. But it, that book gives me so much anxiety. I've talked about it before on the podcast. That book literally destroys me as a human being because it is written so well, and it's it, it's written with this this level of paranoia that is is unreal. And but it, I, I I will never know. But reading that book opens up so many levels of this. And this is what happens when kids write and when kids read other kids writing. And when you have a writing space that isn't just, okay, you're going to write an essay about, um, school uniforms or yeah, your, your, your favorite day (laughs) or any of these things. I'm not saying kids never want to write about that or, or they never should. It is, there's value in being able to attack a prompt, right? There's value in being able to write for a specific purpose. Adults do it all the time, blah, 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 blah. But we're not, we're teaching middle school. A lot of our listeners are teaching elementary school. A lot of our listeners are teaching high school. We, mm-hmm. these kids are developing. They need to learn how to synthesize their beliefs and their emotions. You know, when I, I had periods of time as a kid where I wrote a lot, like I have this, I have a lot of vivid memories of writing, but I had this, you know, a couple realizations is when like I was at home and like, I loved Lord of the Rings. I I love fantasy. I had a fourth grade teacher who got me into the Hobbit and it changed my life with literature and everything. Mr. Hansen shout out, but he, uh, you know, he got me into all of this. And I remember being at home and we had just like, I remember like just holding the Lord of the Rings book and just being like, this is amazing. Like, you know, just looking at it, you know what I mean? And like literally looking at the pages and I was just like, there's so much magic here. There's so much world. And I go, I want to do this. And so I literally, I took notebook paper and I cut it up to make it look like a book because I don't know. And then I stapled it together and I literally sat down. I cleaned off. My room was a mess, but I cleaned off my desk that had like a rolly top thing on it. And I pulled up and I was doing like in my head, I was 
creating a writerly environment, right? And I sat there right. and I said, I'm going to write my version of The Hobbit. And I started writing and all this. And then I had another uh, moment where my friend and I, we love the game Halo and we love science fiction. And so him, he, his dad had gave him this old IBM laptop that, you know, was as thick as a Bible, you know, and it was just like whatever, but it had a word processor on it. And him and I took turns. We would literally stay up all night just literally passing the laptop back and forth. All right, you write the rest. And he would write it. And then he'd be like, okay, I'm stuck. You write. And we would go back and forth until we had literally hundreds of pages of just this really horrible halo fan fiction, essentially, that we were doing. And just moment after moment like that as a kid. And I remember when I was, I graduated high school and I was sitting in my apartment with my wife and we were just, you know, you know, when you're 18 and, you know, you're kind of floundering through college and you're working, you're just kind of living your life. You know, you have these conversations about like, you know, what do you want to do? Like, what are we, what are we going to do? And what do I, what do I want to do with my career? I'm working at Walgreens. What do I want to do after that? And I was like, you know, I really want to, I just want to write. I want to write a novel. I want to write a great novel. And she goes, well, why don't you? And I went, I don't know. And then I started writing like <laughs> that day. And then what happens though is as I did all of these things, I learned so much. Even though I was writing a lot of fiction and all of this, I was learning about myself in that process. I was learning about the process of writing. I was doing all of this. But I eventually just developed this love for writing because as I wrote, I realized that when you write, you realize what you think. You self-discover, right? You've mm -hmm. been writing um, some craft and drafts a little bit. Um, <laughs> a this, little bit. I mean, you can. <laughs> I you, get that. That was a punch. Everybody, just letting you know. You. <laughs> I'm well, not writing enough. That was a scolding. It's okay, even, Jacob. I'm but still e writing. <laughs> <laughs> Even then, though, I mean, you might be able to speak to this. I mean, as you write and you start articulating yourself and, and putting yourself down into words, there is a discovery process, right? And it's not yeah. always like revel revelatory, you know, the, the, the clouds don't open and divine light shines on you. But there is, you start going, oh, yeah, I do think this. Or you start writing something, you're like, well, why do I think this? And there's this whole process of internal, it's almost like meditation. It's this deep dive into yourself and you know, whether we're talking about kids dealing with controversial issues or anything like that, the value of wrestling with your own mind is, is something that I think is, is really undervalued in public education. But I think that's really what we're pushing at here is, is the just what what does it mean to wrestle with your own brain? We're so distracted by everything. We have social media, we have TV, we have movies. How often do you really wrestle with the person inside your head? Well, going along with that, Flannery O'Connor said, I write because I don't know what I think until I read what I say. So Her there you go. books are wonderful. I mean, she is, uh, <laughs> she's got some depth, but that's a perfect quote. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. I there's been a lot of stuff. I'll go back and um, over the years, I have written quite a bit of stuff and you go back and you reread it and some of it's just not any good. But then some of it's like there's a little nugget here and there and then you take that nugget and then you can work through it. Some of the stuff I surprised myself. I'm like, you know, this is pretty good. But um, I had no idea I believed that way. You know, you go back or or you look at it and you say, boy, I don't, I'm not like that anymore. You know, so there's a lot of stuff that's happened over the years that when I write about it, 
um, you know, it, it does express the way I feel. It does go back over some of the things that I've gone through and, and, um, uh, reminds me and, uh, of what I've learned. Uh, but also I've had some things that have been pretty tragic and, and at times and due to that tragedy, sometimes it's just too hard to write about. And so I'll start writing and it's like, okay, I can't do this. And I have to stop. So sometimes I have those issues too. And I think our students have those same issues. Sometimes it's so hard that they can't really write about it. And so I think what they end up doing is writing fluff because, well, fluff isn't dangerous. And I think sometimes uh, it's really difficult to move a student beyond that um, resistance, if you will, if that's the right word. Yeah. My, uh, one of my, who I still consider her my best writer I've ever taught. Um, she's the most published person in my rightfully, but I think she has like five or seven pieces in the book, uh, rightfully empowered. But she started out writing, you know, just super fluffed, you know, silly stories or whatever. And she, eventually wrote the darkest stuff that ever existed in my classroom, but she became empowered by it. And now she's a force to be reckoned with. Right. I mean, it, it literally became her vehicle for this stuff, but you're absolutely right. There's uh, that, that challenge is there. You know, my, as a writer myself, the, the beginning of teach me teacher was with, it opens up with probably the most traumatic story of my childhood that I wrote that one morning. Like I just happened to wake up and I was like, you know, I, I, I kind of want to just write this down and I wrote it and it stayed on my, you know, Google drive or whatever for about a year and a half before I was like, you know what? I think this is a a bigger piece that's going to connect to what I want to say about teaching, right? That, but that existed solely on its own forever. I wrote it in a, in a fit of, you know, an hour and a half or whatever. Then I didn't look at it for a year and a half until it was, it was time to kind of revisit and realize that I wanted to tell my story along with teaching. And, you know, our classrooms don't allow for that all the time because, you know, we only have so much time or whatever, but you know, the, one of the beautiful things about the draft book, for instance, I mean, even the craft book to a certain extent is it's a living document of thinking throughout our classroom. It, it, it stays with them for an entirety of a year. And there's a lot of change that happens then. And I've had students that definitely will, you know, they'll kind of write something at the beginning and they'll come back to it several months later and go, I really want to flesh this out. And this was, I mm-hmm. didn't, I didn't, I didn't follow through on this or it was too emotional at the time and I couldn't really deal with it. But, you know, just as a, as a pen for the craft and draft is having something, you know, we talk, we, we kind of bash worksheets and all that time a lot and the, the digification of everything. But, you know, the, the, that paper journal that is yours for a year that you touch over and over again and that you interact with has value in that it, it is a time capsule for beliefs and, uh, what's happening to you and revisiting that or having, even having the option to revisit that can be powerful for a lot of kids for sure. Well, one of the activities I think you saw that I had them do just the other day, because we kind of had some time. We're about to start our new unit, but we're kind of finishing with this other unit. And so I, uh, with our partner, we created, um, she did actually, to be honest, uh, she gave a list of words of what she thought was on her word wall, but these were all the different words 
like genre, poetry, all the things that go with that, like hyperbole, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, we created this concept map. And um, I will tell you that the students had to go back into their craft book and find the words and figure out how they go into this big concept of writing different genres. And um, and then I put one, as you saw the other day, I wrote, I did, I did my own, but I did it on the board. And the students were like, did you do that? And like, when, you know, because it wasn't there the day before and now it was. So, uh, but what it did do for me and for them, uh, they were commenting on, I didn't realize we did this much. I had no idea we had learned we've already learned all this, you know, and they didn't, but some of them had forgotten. And so what it did, it forced them back through our entire year, but it was kind of neat to stop and just have a creative way for them to pause and go through their craft book and look back over everything that they have done. And uh, many of them were kind of amazed at how much the volume and which of, of all the different types of things that we had done. And they were like, miss, I only have like two pages left. I, I'm going to get me a new one on on uh, Monday because they, you know, so it kind of re-energized them a little bit too. So I would recommend uh, something like that. You don't have to do what I did, but have them somehow go back in and look at the scope of which of what you've covered somewhere in the middle uh, here, at least after that first semester or whatever trimester, whatever it is that you do. But the kids were really amazed. They had they had no idea, and and it was neat to to go and look at them all, and they're just like reflecting and looking over. But just as they were turning these pages, it just it was like a teacher's dream, you know, to have like ninety percent or ninety five percent of the kids uh, in one class, a hundred percent of the kids have these things, and they're busy tossing them back and forth, and you can see these pages of just writing and writing and notes, and it's all set up i mean you can see the standards and the left side and the right side and they're busy creating something from this that's their own using their own uh they they had to use symbols and different things like that to represent so for example i used i put a heart behind my poetry and then i did like little uh flowers because poetry has flowery language from the heart and so that's kind of how i talked to the students as i talked through all of the you know, all of the different um, genres that we've covered so far. And so it was just kind of neat to to do that. So that reflecting not just in their actual draft, and that's a good thing too, but it was also good to go back in to see what they've actually learned, the content of what they've learned. And then I think maybe the next thing you could do is tie all of that back to where did you do these genres in your, so that might be the next step I take, is now let's look at our draft book where did you do these? Where did you actually create your own? And I think that might might be kind of a neat thing to do next. So to kind of, I love all of that, by the way. You're, I think that's, if, if my strength is getting them to write crap tons of poetry, your strength is definitely, you know, having these moments of really, you know, connecting abstract you know, symbols for certain things and, and letting kids uh, explore mm-hmm. that and really connect it to content. I've seen you do it multiple times. You do it all the time. You're literally for people that, you know, obviously you've never seen her classroom, but we have these huge whiteboard walls that exist and it's literally just symbols and writing and words and thought maps and everything else in between. I mean, it's like a, 
it, it, it's like a mass. Like if you just put a piece of yarn through it, it would look like she was tracking murders across the city or something like that. I mean, it's literally <laughs> yeah, that is kind of true. <laughs> it's just everywhere, and it's just she's fantastic at it. But to to kind of wrap up our conversation for people that they what if I mean. I don't know. I, I kind of want to give a reflective question on this, but you know, for teachers who maybe they like th- this is happening, you know, what, what's a good way that you feel is a, is a way for teachers to think about kids interacting with the, the more, you know, the, the, the darker sides of humanity. And I, you know, I think this ties into the big conversation that we kind of touched on last week, but we've touched on before of, you know, the whole, you know, book bans and censorship and everything else, you know, we, we're the humanities, right? And obviously I'm not saying everything's appropriate for middle school. I'm not, I'm, you know, there, there are definitely things that shouldn't belong in a classroom and et cetera, et cetera. But with that said, there's a lot of things that our, our kids live through and there's things that they've dealt with. And sometimes reading a book that not only verifies or validates what they've been through, but gives them ways to think about it in a, in a safe space or, gives them tools about how to think about it. And then a, in a classroom that allows them to write about things that, that allows them to process and, and go through that, you know, it can be really, it can be a really powerful situation for a lot of students. Um, and I, that, that's my biggest fear with censorship is that we're, we're kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater and, and, and mm-hmm. some hope of something, but you know, for people that are, that are either experiencing this or maybe they're afraid to experience it. You know, what are, what's your like general thought process? People are like, well, how do I, how do I think, how do I conceptualize the the darker parts of, of reading and writing for my students to where I can be beneficial to them? I don't know. What would you say to them? Well, first of all, I would say, um, have open-ended, uh, writing moments. Okay. Okay, that spot that will be free to sponsor such things, accept their thoughts and conference, 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 because what you'll do is you'll have, you know, if a student brings something to you or you read it, then if you've already conferenced with them, you've already created this open dialogue with them that's natural in your classroom. It's not so the kids, if it's natural and everybody gets talked to, which in my class, they all get talked to, either they either come up to me or I go around, I'll even pull up a chair just like you do and sit and have a conversation while everybody else is hopefully working. But anyway, most of the time they are because they're deeply involved in their own thing. But, uh, you know, and, and then ask questions. So tell me about this writing. What was the, what do you think of it? Is this something that concerns you? Is this something you're going through? But but if you're already used to asking such questions, then, or talking to them or conferencing with them in such a way, then... Um, then it would be kind of a natural process in your classroom. Uh, but then I do tell them at the beginning when I set up this whole thing and I, I do remind them, let me, let me, let me tell you that if I, I feel like you are crying for help, I'm going to help you get that help. And so even this year I've had several where I've, a few of them are like, so I have a conference or conversation with them. And I'm like, is this something that I need to, um, let the counselor know. Are you okay if I let the counselor know about this? And I usually do it like that. And um, because I'm really supposed to, because I'm, I care about you. So you need to know, but, but do I need to be concerned? Like, 
do, how fast do you need me to see that counselor? And so I kind of just get a feel, you know, through my conversation, but I ask them, tell me about this piece. Tell me about your writing. Tell me what you've learned about yourself in this writing. So I do a lot of questions like that and then they'll, they'll answer it or they'll, they won't talk at all. And then sometimes I'll just say, do I need to, do I need to leave you alone right now? And they might say yes, you know, but it, again, I just wouldn't not do it, I guess. But I think conversation, having that conversation in the classroom is probably where I'm getting at more than anything here. Be open-minded, uh, be aware, know your responsibility, and converse, converse, and converse with these students. And that is it for this episode of Craft and Draft, ladies and gentlemen. I have nothing to add to that. What a nice little bow we put on that conversation. If you enjoyed this conversation, like, subscribe, do all of that stuff to where you can stay in contact with us. We release an episode every single Friday all about reading writing workshop. If you want your question answered, you can submit a question to us through craftsanddraftworkshop.com. But you know what? Patrons get first dibs. If you support us on Patreon, your questions come first. We're going to start posting regular, hey, we're recording this Saturday, send us a question. This is probably what we're talking about. Um, so if you want to do that and join us like the five of you already have, and it's only been live for about a week or so, um, which is absolutely amazing. So thank you all uh, that have done that or have considered doing that. I know sometimes people got to wait for payday or whatever it is, et cetera, et cetera. Just come over there. We're going to do some great things, especially once we hit 10, 20, however many patrons we're going to get. We're going to do some amazing stuff over there uh ladies and gentlemen this has been craft and draft you can find us on facebook like us at craft and draft workshop.com subscribe so you don't miss any other so that's pam which i'm jacob chastain and know that we are here for you <laughs>